This podcast covers true crime cases that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to Malice and Mock Tales, a true crime podcast. I am your host, Katie. And I'm Emily. And we have a special guest with us today, um, Ange. Welcome. Hey there. How's it going? Good. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, Ange, if you want to maybe just give our listeners just a quick kind of intro, who you are, what you do, um, and then we'll jump into the case and then we'll we'll do our mocktails um, at the end. Awesome. Uh, My name's Ange Perkins. Um, I'm from Pittsburgh, PA. I've kind of lived in and around the city my whole life. Um, Currently, I work um, at a non-alcoholic bottle shop in Pittsburgh. Um, It's actually the oldest still open bottle shop in the entire United States. Um, It's kind of rad. Um, I love my job. And then when I am not working at the bottle shop, I am a baker and artist. I run my own limited food establishment and I make silly art and it's tons of fun. Cool. I love that you describe it as silly art. That's awesome. (laughs) I think it's silly. I think some other folks might think it's like a little bit off, but you know, to each their own, I suppose. (laughs) Yes. Well, Emily, um, it's your, it's your turn today. Um, So what do you have for us? So today we're going to be talking about the Bell Witch, um, and specifically the Bell Witch Haunting. Um, I had never heard about the Bell Witch before, um, but apparently she is somewhat, sort of, the basis for the um, Blair Witch Project. Oh. Um, I am going to try to be respectful of the bell witch um because based on the information i found um she can haunt various places around the world um but she seems to not mess with people when they're respectful of her so i'm going to stay on the respectful side just so you guys know good Um, choice good choice yep (laughs) yep Oh, and my husband's making fun of me right now because um, I have my sage spray and I just ran around the house spraying the whole house with sage just to be on the safe side. Sorry, go ahead, Emily. Oh, I was going to say, because when I was reading some of the stuff, I was uh, when I was doing some of my research, I was home alone um, in the afternoon, evening, and it just started getting really, really creepy and I started hearing noises. So I was like, uh, okay. And then like, Right when I was really deep into like researching, Jeff called me and my phone rang really loud and I like jumped out of my skin. I was terrified. Uh, so I was like, okay, I guess I'm done researching for tonight. It's all good. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's get into it. Um, okay, so uh, it all starts with a farmer in 1817. Farmer John Bell, and I'll end up calling him um, John Sr. because he also has a son that he named John. Um, So John Bell Sr. lived with his family near Adams, Tennessee from about 1817 to um, 1821. The hauntings began in 1817 
um, with John Bell seeing a creature resembling a dog. Um, it wasn't quite dog-like. It, it looked like a dog, but it, it looked wrong. Um, Ew. Yeah. So like, he like shot wrong, it. wrong how? Oh, okay. Um, wrong and wrong enough that he it doesn't need to be anywhere near his <laughs> property. Okay. Right. Um, I I couldn't find like a really good description, but just like wrong and and creepy. So he saw a creature resembling a dog, and he shot at it, but um, it disappeared completely. Whether he like hit the target or not, it disappeared. Um, next, a couple, like, the next day or a couple of days later, his son Drew saw a bird that he didn't recognize as a, a bird from that area. Um, and not only was it a strange bird, but it was a bird of, quote, extraordinary size. Ooh. So, that also makes it better. So, dad sees a dog, son sees a weird bird. Next, the daughter, Betsy saw a girl in a green dress swinging from a tree outside. Like, like swinging on a swing or like swinging from I, something I, else? I couldn't really determine that. So maybe swinging from like one hand on the tree, like swinging from a branch, like both hands. I couldn't really, she was just hanging out in a tree. Girl, girl oh. in a tree. Girl in a okay. green dress. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, you know, it's just weird. Like, you don't expect to see a girl in a green dress in a tree at night. Um, no. Seems right. Seems no. a little creepy. Gal in a bar. Then Dean, um, uh, one, of the, one of the Bell family slaves, um, said... Um, when he, on nights when he would go to visit his wife, he was followed by a large black dog. Jesus Christ. Yeah. A lot of animals. A, lot, a whole lot of animals. And that's the beginning. This, this is the beginning of the haunting. It gets worse. Eventually, the boys in their room started hearing knocking on the doors and on the walls. Oh, no. And it progressed so that it wasn't just the boys hearing the knocking on the doors and the walls. Everybody in the house is hearing the knocking. And then the boys start hearing what sounds like rats gnawing on the bed, oh. gnawing on the legs of the bed. And so they get up to investigate. No rats, no holes for rats to get into their room, no teeth marks on the legs of the bed, no evidence whatsoever of what created that sound. And apparently those sounds get worse and worse every night. The the gnawing on the bed turns into the sounds of invisible dogs fighting. What, like turns in the in, room? Like in the room. Like it sounds like there are dogs fighting in the room. Oh hell no. 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 <laughs> yeah. That's 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 it. It gets <laughs> it gets worse. <laughs> but wait, it gets worse. So then Oh, I was going to say if I can read exactly from the book. So um, I found one of my favorite, one of my favorite places that I found information is a website that uploaded what they call the Red Book, 
which is, and I'll talk about it more later, but it is a book written by a man who interviewed people that um, witnessed the witch in action, including um, he claims that he got the personal family manuscript and included it in his book. And so I was really creeped out and enjoying um, <laughs> chapter eight of his book, which is the family's notes. Um, and he said uh, that the that the parents lived on the first floor and all the kids lived on the second floor. So rats on the rats gnawing on the bed, invisible dogs fighting. Next, it evolves into hearing chains being dragged on the floor. Oh no, no. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then it evolved into physical harassment. Oh Jesus. So then it evolved to the kids feeling people pull on their hair to the point where like, and all of this is mainly when they're sleeping, mainly when they're sleeping. So it got to the point where like someone is pulling on their hair hard enough to yank them out of sleep, to make them scream, to make them cry out. And it'll just go from kid to kid to kid to kid to kid. It went from pulling on their hair to scratching the children, to slapping the children, to ripping the sheets off of the bed as the children slept. And the haunting started particularly focusing on Betsy, who would get the worst of it. She was slapped. She was pinched. She was stuck with pins. The attacks on Betsy became so bad that the family and their friends and their neighbors thought to have their thought to have Betsy sleep at other people's homes so they could get some sleep. So the family is no longer able to sleep at night because of these physical harassments, these sounds, um, the knocking on the walls, the sheets being ripped off of them. So all of their friends and neighbors are taking pity on them. So they came up with this plan. Let's have Betsy sleep over at other people's houses since she's getting the worst. That didn't stop it. So Betsy would go sleep at a, at a neighbor's house. Betsy would still get all of this happening to her and it would still be happening at the Bell's house. Jeez. Yeah. Oh my God. Then it started escalating to the dad. John Bell Sr. started having paralysis in his mouth. He said it felt as if he had like a stick inside his mouth that wouldn't allow him to swallow or chew or anything. Some, some of the neighbors and some of the friends that came to investigate the house would get slapped so hard that everybody else in the room could hear it. What? And they would have like a red handprint on their face. Eventually, John Bell Sr. started hearing whistling. Uh. <laughs> then it escalated to from whistling to whispering. And it eventually finally started speaking. Ew. The witch began speaking. The haunting, the spirit began speaking in a voice that people could actually hear her. And the reason why I keep calling her a her and a witch is because at one point she named herself as the witch Kate Bats. 
they were like, okay, cool. Great. You're the witch, Kate Bats. What do you want? <laughs> when they asked her, who are you and what do you want? She said, I am a spirit. I was once very happy, but I have been disturbed. Okay. Like, hey, sure. Yeah. What's okay? It, all right. What do you want? Some, from some people, I, from some, from some different, um, people I found that she had previously been John Sr.'s betrothed, but he murdered her, or she was his betrothed, and she, and he pulled off their, he ended their engagement because she was a horrible person, this Kate Bats. From other people, I found that he had been, that John Bell had been working with Kate Batts's father, Mr. Batts, but Mr. Batts had stolen from Bell, and so Bell sued him for that, and then Kate just hated him ever since. Uh, very conflicting stories. I'm not entirely sure um, if any of that has to do with the real Kate Batts or the haunting spirit Kate Batts or anything like that. Very conflicting as to who Kate Batts truly was, what the Bats family has to do with the Bell family. Not really sure. Um, or if Kate Bats even actually was dead before this haunting began. It could be a poltergeist situation because um, poltergeists are usually, you know, the, the angsty spirit of an angsty teen that's manifesting in <laughs> the physical realm. Um, not really sure. Wait, um, so a, a, a poltergeist is not, is that different from a ghost? for spirit yeah yeah uh from what i understand i mean i haven't done too too much research but i'm pretty sure i've heard that previously when you do okay i i don't know i'm just asking the question i feel like it is something to do with like poltergeists can like affect tangible things and mm -hmm. specters oh. kind of just like exist in presence Maybe, mm -hmm. but that could have been something I heard from, like, a movie, you know? Poltergeist, right. <laughs> the film. <laughs> right. So, um, at one point, the family calls in their very close friend, James Johnston, who may have also been a priest. Um, again, conflicting, conflicting um, stories from different places, but James Johnston might have been a priest, or he might have just been a part of their congregation. Um, but James Johnston spent the night at their house and he experienced similar hauntings, hair grabbing, sheets being ripped off, et cetera, et cetera. Um, in the morning, he told John Bell, it was definitely quote, a spirit, just like in the Bible. Word spread after that, because they were trying to keep it hush hush because they didn't want anybody to, they didn't want their community to know that they were being haunted because, you know, A, kind of weird. B, people are going to think you're cursed and not want to hang out with you. Um, <laughs> but after James Johnston came, they were like, fine, tell the community because we need help because we can no longer sleep. And, you know, when people don't, when people go for too long without sleep, they're driven insane and then they die. Um, so they needed assistance. Sorry, did I gloss over that too quickly? Y'all know that if you <laughs> don't 
sleep for a long enough period of time, you're literally driven insane and then you die, right? Y'all know that? You just, you just die? Yeah. Like your, your body just shut down? Is that what that I is? I think, yeah, because you're like, you need the, the rest to make the stuff work. Kind yes. of. True. Yeah, I, I mean, I've tested that theory. I went through college. I did finals. Like, I tried, you know, <laughs> for days and days. Yeah, your body just starts shutting down because you need um, you need rest to do the things. Yep. Apparently, the spirit also gave different reasons as to why it had appeared whenever they were like, what do you want? Um, apparently, the spirit herself gave different reasons. She, at one point, she said... Um, that they had disturbed a Native American burial ground located on the property. Um, Cause you know, <laughs> that, that makes me think like if I were a ghost and I could talk to people, would I just mess with people at that point? Cause I mean, it's so easy to say, oh yeah, you disturbed a, you disturbed a Native American <laughs> burial ground. <laughs> like, I kind of think she was just messing with them. <laughs> Um, because also she sent one of the sons, Drew Bell, and one of his friends, Bennett Porter, on a wild goose chase for buried treasure. And then she made fun of them for being gullible as to <laughs> look for that treasure. Like, she sent them on a whole day adventure. She told them specifically, like, I bear, I'm, I'm so-and-so, and I die, and before I died, I buried my treasure in this very specific location by the river. <laughs> and, and y'all need to go and y'all need to go with um, this other guy so that he's going to keep y'all on the straight and narrow and make sure that you don't steal the money because I want all the money to go to Betsy, the one that I'm hurting the worst. I want all the money to go to Betsy. So uh, go get that. So they went at dawn because she was like, you need to go at dawn so that nobody else finds out and goes and steals the money. So they go and they spend half the day moving this gigantic rock that she says that she put the treasure underneath so they move the tre they move the rock and then no treasure so they're like okay well she told us specifically where it was this it has to be the place because she used exquisite detail so then they start digging and digging and digging and digging and digging and they find nothing so finally they're like you know what we spent all day since dawn let's go home they go home the ghost makes fun of them for being dumb she's like really and she starts recounting exactly what they did what they said when they were digging and she's like y'all are dumb i can't believe you did this y'all are so y'all y'all are just good for digging that's all you're good for. <laughs> like she just she was just messing with them at that point she was able to repeat word for word two separate sermons giving 13 given 13 miles apart at the same time um she could quote the bible and she seemed to enjoy religious um discourse so one of the ways not only would she like to enjoy religious discussion um but that's one of the ways that their friends and neighbors could allow the fam the bell family to sleep the friends and neighbors would come over and they would have discussions with the witch all night long because apparently while she was in a heated discussion or even an argument um she would let the people and the she would let the bell family sleep so she wouldn't be slapping and pulling hair and pulling sheets off she would actually let them sleep if she was being distracted um so it sounds like she was bored She's just like bored, <laughs> mm -hmm. I looking think, for some entertainment, you know. 
I think so. <laughs> I think that's exactly what it was. Um, she would gossip. So oh they, my would goodness. Be, they would um, they would be having their discussion with her and she would gossip about what was going on in all the other households. Um, if somebody asked her, oh, okay, well, what's Susie going on down the, what's Susie doing down the street? The witch would stop talking as if she left and then she would come back and she would say, oh, Susie's doing this, that, and the other thing. Isn't that weird? I thought that was like the craziest yeah. thing that she would like leave and then come back as if she actually like left the house and then come mm -hmm. back. Because of that kind of thing, a lot of people started thinking that Betsy, who was getting the harassment the worst, a lot of people started thinking that Betsy was actually using ventriloquism. Oh. Yeah, so they, they started thinking she was doing ventriloquism, um, and so they started calling it a hoax. But not necessarily the friends and neighbors because they had all been slapped and had their hair pulled um, without anybody being near them. So they were believers. Um, and since some people were like, well, this isn't a real thing, um, people started coming up with ways to test the witch to make sure that she wasn't a hoax. Um, James Johnston's son, John, had a clever test for the witch. He asked her a question he thought nobody outside his family should know. So he asked what his Dutch step-grandmother, who lived in North Carolina, um, what would she say to the slaves if she thought they did something wrong? So the witch answered in his step-grandmother's accent, quote, hut tut, what has happened now? And that's apparently exactly what she would say in her voice, in her accent, what she would say if she thought the slaves did something wrong. So James Johnston and his family, they were like, done, real, totally real. Um, Frank Miles was another very close family friend. Um, he was well over six foot tall. He was nearly 250 pounds and was known for being a very strong man. Um, he came and he would come help out as all of the friends and neighbors would, would do to help the Bell family sleep. Um, one night he slept over and he could not keep the covers because she likes to rip the sheets and the covers off. As soon as he would recover himself, the witch would rip the sheets off and he, he couldn't keep up. Like the second he put the sheets on, she would rip them off. He would put them back on, she would rip them off. So at one point he held on as tight as he could. Remember, he's a six foot tall, 250 pound farmer. He's a strong guy. So he's holding on to the covers as tight as he can. He was like, nah, she's not ripping the covers off of me this time. He held on as tight as he could. Not only did the witch rip the sheets off, but she ripped so hard that he was held gripping, um, he was left just gripping the shreds of the sheets because oh he was so hard. Oh, like she Lord. literally ripped the sheets off him. So he's one of the ones who would come over to distract the witch so that the family could sleep. But he was a very dear family friend and his dear family, his dear family member, basically, Betsy, little, little young Betsy, who's just like a young teenager, um, is getting horrifically physically assaulted. So he would become furious with the witch for tormenting Betsy and he would yell at her and he would call her names and he would tell her all these things. 
but that would piss the witch off. And so she would torment Betsy worse. It got to the point where he was yelling at the witch and the witch would scratch Betsy on the face so hard she would bleed. <laughs> and the witch would tell him like, you're dumb. You're only making me matter. You're only making this worse for Betsy. You need to hold your tongue, quit antagonizing me. So finally, he finally learned that he needed to quit yelling at the witch and to just be calm and be nice. And she wouldn't make Betsy bleed. So he really, he really hated the nightmare. <laughs> yes. Like you can't, you can't even do anything. Cause if you tell the spirit like, Hey, knock it off. She's going to get even worse. Like what is her deal? Like, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm just I trying to figure out what, no, but like, how did, what, I want to know like what riled her from her wherever she has been um like what what's the catalyst <laughs> right i don't know i have no idea that's what i that's what i want to know and i couldn't find anything out because everything was conflicting so i don't know if she just hates the bell family because any of the previously mentioned reasons like did john bell ruin her life somehow i don't know um that seems really logical for the time. I don't know. Just like <laughs> as a whole, I could assume that maybe like something was underneath all of that stuff. It has to be. Has to be. Go ahead. And I was going to say like, so her name is what? Kate Bats? Bats. B-A-T-T-S. I wonder, did anybody like ever try to figure out if that's a legit name from the yeah, area? Yeah. It was a Kate Bats. Um, Did she die? <laughs> I couldn't find out if Kate Bats actually died. Um, but, like, Kate Bats was a real person, and John Bell apparently had something to do with her father. But I found so many conflicting things about who who she was, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense. Like I couldn't figure out exactly who, who she was. Also, just like think about being uh, a ghost and like, if your name is, you know, Bats, what have you, and then you get known as like the Bell Witch. So like, you don't even get to be called like the Bats Witch. Like you're the other family. So like, you don't even get your own name in your lore of like being a specter. What the hell? Right? You don't even get to be like the witch Kate Bats. Yeah. Like she doesn't even get to have her like ghost fame. Right? She's somebody okay. else's witch. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. That's terrible. <laughs> oh, it's so terrible for that ghost. That was terrible to people. Um, so more, so more of her hauntings. Um, so the Bell family becomes pretty famous for having a haunting. A haunting. Um, so people start coming from far and wide to experience the witch. An Englishman came and investigated. Um, he mentioned that his parents were still overseas back in England, and the witch began mimicking his parents' voices. Mm. He spent the night, and early the next morning, he woke up to the 
to the witch mimicking the sound of his parents asking about him because they, his parents had heard his voice. And so it sounded like the parents were like freaking out. Like, why are they hearing his voice? He's over in America. What's going on? So he left that morning. He was like, no, I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> um, later on, he went home to England and he actually wrote to the Bell family that his parents had heard his voice while he was at the Bell's house. As if Stop. the witch had went to their house in England and spoke to them in his voice. So he, oh he, wrote, he apologized for his skepticism. So yeah, <laughs> so she, she could travel around. So I don't know why she's haunting this particular family when she can travel. Yeah, if you could go anywhere, like I, yeah. haunt somebody in the tropics. I don't know. like Right? Or just not haunt anybody and just travel. Yeah, or, just fly around. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, that to me then, like, like you were saying, something had to have happened. Like, she has to have some deeper connection to this family. Because otherwise, yeah, why, why is she sticking around there when she could just go somewhere okay. else? Right. I, I don't, I, I don't really know. Um, so she wouldn't just haunt people, slap people, and scare the crap out of people. Apparently, she would also be kind. Um, especially, specifically to Lucy, John Bell's wife. Um, she was once described as, quote, the most perfect woman to walk the earth. So the witch would bring her fresh fruit and sing hymns to her. And she, the witch would also apparently show the son, John Bell Jr., a little bit of respect. So I don't know what John Bell Sr. did because the witch would call him Old Jack and the witch claimed that she intended to kill him. Oh, shit. She would use curses and threats and afflictions. Remember, she would she would paralyze his mouth. Yeah. Um, later, he was finally poisoned to death by the witch. <gasps> What? He died. Yeah, she no, killed him. I know, but... <laughs> she killed him with poison. Like, the family woke up the next day and found, like, a poison vial. And they were like, what the heck? And they gave, like, a drop to a cat, and the cat immediately killed over dead. Well, wait. So do we do we know that it really was her, or maybe he committed suicide? If she or maybe really like... it was his wife who was in cahoots with the <gasps> ghost. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, because John Bell Sr. is getting the worst of it. Mm-hmm. Ben, the daughter. is getting the second worst. And then the wife is getting nothing. And John Bell Jr. is getting nothing. Mm. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so he died. And, you know, they have the funeral. Um, the witch proceeded to interrupt the mourners by singing drinking songs. Oh, my God. Because she, she hated him so much that she interrupted the mourning. Um, and she And she would do that for hours. I got conflicting stories about the witch 
telling Betsy that she has to get married to Joshua Gardner, a nearby neighbor and friend. Um, But also I got, so I got the story that Betsy is supposed to marry Joshua Gardner, marry him, marry him, marry him. But I also found that the witch was telling Betsy that Betsy and Joshua were engaged and the witch was harassing Betsy saying, don't marry him, don't marry him, don't marry him, don't marry him. Hmm. So I was like, okay, which of these is correct? But in 1821, Betsy called off her engagement to Joshua Gardner because of the witch. So I'm thinking that the witch was telling Betsy, don't marry him, don't marry him, don't marry him. Hmm. Um, Because if the witch was harassing Betsy and telling her to marry Josh, then Betsy would have married Josh. Eventually, the witch told the family she was going to leave, but she'll return in seven years. <laughs> Ooh. Which, she actually did. She returned in seven years. She returned to Lucy, the mom, who was still living there with her sons, Richard and Joel, and she began all the similar haunting act, act antics as she did before, but the family was like, you know what? We're just, we're just going to straight up ignore her. We're just going to straight up ignore her and hope she gets bored and goes away. And she did. (sighs) She got bored and she left. Um, I mean, I don't know. That's a whole lot of work for just like, you know what? I'm bored. I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she already killed killed John Bell Sr., who like the major one that she hated besides maybe Betsy. And Betsy did what she asked and didn't marry Joshua. So... (laughs) so now i have some other antics like that that's basically like the last they saw of her um but that wasn't the last of the information that i found about her hauntings so going back in time um to when the hauntings are still active people are still coming to the house um there there's a whole bunch of very famous incidents that happened that are alleged alleged to have happened one including the most famous one including apparently andrew jackson prior to his presidency uh back when he was in the military went to investigate the house um where they were on their way trooping around the countryside um and they ended up being um staying the night at the farm but on their way to the farm one of one of his men um made a joke about the witch and their wagon halted so all the men climbed down and they could not find a reason for the wagon to have halted they couldn't get the um they couldn't get the wagon to budge they couldn't get the horses to pull the wagon like nothing it wasn't moving and then andrew jackson cried out it might be the witch and then (laughs) They heard a disembodied voice call out, they can go now, General, but I'll see you all later on tonight. Mm -hmm. It was the witch. She halted the wagon because one of the guys was rude. One of the guys made a joke. Oh, my gosh. So later on that night, when they're at the Bell House, um, one of the men stupidly claimed to be a witch tamer and claimed that he was going to put a silver bullet through her heart. And then he began talking shit. He began provoking her and 
saying all this crap. Um, and all of a sudden he started having convulsions and cried out that he was being beaten and stuck with pins. And then he was flung out the door um, with nobody touching him. He was flung out the door and a woman's voice said she would definitely identify the quote other fraud in Andrew Jackson's party. <laughs> so the men were like, uh, no, no, thank you. And they all left. And Andrew Jackson was like, I want to find out who the other fraud is. But the rest of his men were like, no, 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 thank you. So they left. Oh, one of the accounts was that um, the witch made one of the conflicting accounts was that the witch was actually the ghost of a quote, unpleasant overseer. That, <laughs> yeah, that John Bell had actually murdered in North Carolina. What? Mm. Yeah. Um, so, but then again, that same account, um, the spirit fell in love with a woman named Mary and that led to Mary's death. So I, I, I don't put too much stock into that one. That one, that one seems a little far-fetched. Some people have said that the witch's powers are so great that it can't just be a ghost. It can't just be a witch. It has to be a djinn. A what? A, a, a djinn, like a genie, a djinn, D-J-I-N-N, djinn. Oh. Okay. I haven't heard that term before. Ooh. Really? You haven't heard of djinns? Mm-mm. Um, it's basically genie. Okay. An evil, an evil genie specifically. Oh, yeah. You okay. think you're get you're getting what you want, but you don't, right? Yeah. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You okay. make your wishes with the gin, but they always twist it so that you it, it's bad. It's bad. It's like the monkey paw. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yes, you don't want to mess with it. No. There is another one where a military officer named John Bell, um, a different John Bell, and I don't think he's related to these Bells, um, him and Stephen Harriman, I'm sorry, Stephen Harriman Long, were on the Harriman Long expedition in 1820 to explore the Central Great Plains. Um, at one point, their journey crosses the Red River. Um, and the Bell's family farm is on the Red River. Um, and they heard the tale of a young woman being haunted by the voice who spoke and wished for her to marry a local man. So this is one of the ones that claims that the witch was telling Betsy to marry Joshua. But I think in reality, the witch was telling her not to marry Joshua. Um, but John Bell and Stephen Harriman Long heard that thousands of people had come to the bell house by that point, by 1820. Thousands of people. Um, But John Bell wrote in his journal, quote, the visitors have left as little satisfied in their curiosity as before they had heard it. Many are under the impression that it is ventriloquism imposed upon the hearers, either by the girl, Betsy, or her brother, who it seems is generally in their company because her family is respectable, end quote. So they're still thinking ventriloquism is the explanation. And apparently in the 1820s, um, skeptics and writers and such are saying ventriloquism is the reason why spiritualists and religions are hearing voices. Because apparently in the spiritual practices, 
before the 1820s, um, you would hear voices and you would be able to talk to gods and spirits and things like that. Mm -hmm. But in the 1820s, um, they started thinking, no, 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 it's ventriloquism. It's not spiritualism. It's not religion. It's fully crap and charlatanism and ventriloquism. So don't believe in those kinds of religious practices. So after that, um, the book that I've been really enjoying reading was written by Martin Van Buren Ingram. He wrote the book on the witch in 1892. He called it an authenticated history of the famous bell witch. And I'm going to give Katie um, the information to put in the show notes. You can read the whole thing online for free. You can read the whole book. Yeah, you can read the whole book online for free. I highly recommend not reading it at night or alone because <laughs> uh, it gets really creepy. It gets really creepy because, you know, and I quote, the noise was after a while accompanied by a scratching sound, like a dog clawing on the floor, um, like a dog clawing on the floor and increased in force until it became evidently too strong for a rat. Then every room in the house was torn up, the furniture, the beds and clothing carefully examined and still nothing irregular could be found nor was there a hole or crevice by which a rat could enter and nothing was accomplished be beyond the increase of our confusion and evil forebodings. It gets really gross after that. The demonstrations continued to increase and finally the bed covering commenced slipping off at the foot of the beds as if gradually drawn by someone and occasionally a noise like the smacking of lips and then a gulping sound like someone choking or strangling while the vicious gnawing at the bedpost continued and there was no such thing as sleep to be thought of until the noise ceased, which was generally between one and three o'clock in the morning. So, you know, you don't, you don't want to read it when you're by yourself in the house and you don't want to read it uh, in the dark. Uh, but I highly recommend um, it's, it's, it's a very interesting, very, a scary, spooky read. I highly recommend. Um, nope. So Martin Van Buren Ingram interviewed people who had witnessed the witch in action, including Nancy Ayers, who is the daughter of John Johnston. Remember, John Johnston is one of the very close friends of the Bell family. Um, he also in interviewed Mahala Darden, um, who had actually gone in 1825 to see the witch. He was able to add notes, uh, allegedly, he was able to add notes from the Bell family and their personal family manuscript. Um, apparently, James Allen Bell, grandson of John Bell Sr., gave the family notes slash manuscript to Ingram after the last of John Bell Sr.'s children passed away, according to the family wishes. The family was like, don't publish this until all of John Bell Sr.'s children are dead but they were like, you can afterwards. Um, James is the daughter of, uh, I'm sorry, James is the son of Richard Williams Bell, um, who was one of the younger sons. Um, he, James gave the manuscript sometime in 1891, and he also um, gave a letter to Martin Van Buren Ingram, which was added to the introduction of the book. James was a son of Richard Williams Bell, um, and he believed that Richard didn't write the manuscript during the hauntings, that he wrote the manuscript when he was about, um, when Richard was about 35 years old. When the hauntings began, Richard was somewhere between six and 10 years old. Um, when the hauntings began, 
and about he was about 17 when she came back after those seven after those seven years back in 1828 richard's manuscript was 90 pages long and so it is if you only want to read that part which is to me the scariest part it is chapter eight um, of the book uh when the book was being published the printing was actually delayed because the print shop was visited by the witch where she began maniacally singing, laughing, loudly praying, moaning, clapping, rattling the roof. She just, in general, she just terrified the printers and made the printers evacuate, evacuate the building. This only delayed the book about a month. She only harassed them for, for, for a little bit. Short attention span. We're learning about this witch. Yeah. Yeah. She. Yes. She. She's not a not a long term not a long term harasser unless you are fun to harass. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know why she wouldn't want the book published. Like, was she afraid of bad PR? Or you know, <laughs> like, so what? Right. <laughs> maybe. Maybe she didn't want to be called the Bell Witch. She wanted to be called. That's what that's, yeah. <laughs> She yeah. wanted to be her own, her, her own, own person. Uh-huh. Yeah, maybe well, if I should've... scare them a little bit, they'll use my name. Oh, nope. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there were a couple of critics against this book. Um, Brian Dunning thinks that Ingram falsified his records because he didn't start the book until, and Brian Dunning's claimed this, he, uh, in, he claims that Ingram didn't even start the book until all the people with firsthand knowledge of the witch were dead. And oh. so he was like, no, this is all false. You claim to have a high eyewitness testimony, but you didn't start the book until everybody was dead. So you can't have eyewitness testimony. And he thought that the manuscript was fake since no one else saw the original copy, including Jim Brooks is another critic who lives in Adam, Tennessee, Adams, Tennessee. And when he published, Jim Brooks published his own story um, called Bill Witch Stories You Never Heard, which is also terrifying. He claims that Ingram never even returned the manuscript to the family. So he claims that if Ingram never returned the manuscript to the family, that Ingram could exaggerate the story as much as he wanted for his own personal gain. Because the family can't say, oh, well, the manuscript is right here. Like, this is what the manuscript says, because they don't have it. They gave their only copy to, to Ingram. Mm -hmm. so take it with a grain of salt it could be Mm -hmm. an exaggeration it could be fake because you would think that you would want to return the manuscript to the family and sorry where where did where did this all happen where are we at we are in tennessee we are in Tennessee. tennessee on the red river okay yeah um not going there yeah no Nope. <laughs> well, so here's a here's a happy haunting that she did. Um, in a, 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 another in another book published by Charles Bailey Bell, a grandson of John Bell Jr., he published a book called *The Bell Witch: A Mysterious Spirit*. 
Um, and he retells some stories told to him by his great aunt Betsy. Oh shit. Yeah. Um, including Andrew Jackson's visit and the time that a boy was trapped in the hole in the Bell Witch Cave, which is what they call the Bell Witch Cave. So apparently there was a cave near the family's farm, not on the family's land, on somebody else's land, on a neighbor's land. But apparently people started associating this cave with the Bell Witch for some reason, not entirely sure why, but at one point, um, the Bell family was exploring the cave with some of their friends and a boy um, went into a hole in the cave to try to like go deeper into the cave um, and he got stuck. And so the witch was like, oh, I'll help you out. And she pulled him out by his feet. <laughs> so, I mean, okay, she can, she can be really nice. She can be really helpful when she wants to be. Um, and apparently the witch also gave the Bell family several prophecies. I couldn't find any of the prophecies uh, with the exception of, I don't know that I wrote them down, but she gave them apparently like some prophecies of what's going to happen to the family. But I think the family tried to like ignore the prophecies. Going back to the cave, the cave has also have had plenty of hauntings and it's now a, um, a tourist destination. Um, of course it is. Well, yeah, because why not? <laughs> Um, in 1937, Lewis Garrison, who was owner of the land that the Bell Witch Cave was on at that point in time, um, she heard strange sounds coming from the cave. Um, and some Bell descendants said they heard sounds like paper rubbing against a house, which I, I would think is a very specific sound. Um, and also they heard faint piano music. Oh, so creepy. Yeah, I, that could be either really creepy or really cool. Like very Phantom of the Opera to have. I kind of like, I'm having a lot of fun imagining her like with a keyboard, like strapped around her neck. Like she just like <laughs> takes that along. Like, doo -doo -doo -doo, here we go. Yeah. She's <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to get him now. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Um, so at one point, a local um, Epworth League, which is apparently a Methodist Young Adults Association. Um, they were having a weenie roast in a rock quarry near the cave. And of course, somebody began joking about the legend of the Bell Witch. Um, and they were having a weenie roast in the evening at night. They were gonna be like camping out there for the night um, when they saw the figure of a woman on top of the cliff above the cave. So a whole bunch of them left. They were like, nope, done, not doing it. And the minister that was with the group, let me turn my phone on silent because I don't know why it's not on silent. Um, the minister of the group investigated and claimed that it was just the moonlight casting shadows on a rock. But later on, when people looked up the weather report for that night, it stated that there was no visible moonlight. So no moonlight available to cast shadows. Right. So what did they see? Mm-hmm. Not shadows. <laughs> Later on, in 1886, 
uh, or I'm sorry, is some, sometime between 1886 and 1963, attorney Charles Romaine Willett was the son of Sarah Elizabeth Bell. So he is a Bell descendant. He dated Miss Jerry Cullum Gardner as oh. a descendant of Joshua Gardner. Oh, so Charles and Jerry dated and they were sweethearts and they did all of the things, but they never married. And it's community lore that they never married because he's a bell and she's a gardener and they didn't want to stir up anything with the witch. Ooh. Right? <laughs> right? So they were like, nope, we're, we're just, we're sweethearts. We're not going to be married. Um, I think, I think that's, I kind of wish that they had gotten married. Cause I mean, maybe the witch would have just let them be, but they didn't get married. Another time when the witch was actually really, really good. Uh, 1944, Bonnie Hainline, um, played hooky from school one day and she borrowed a lantern from Mrs. Garrison, the owner of the cave at the time. And she went exploring. So she's playing hooky. She goes into the cave. Woo. Let's go to the bell witch cave. Um, she said that she and her friends had been exploring the caves for years. They knew the cave. It was no big deal. She's playing hooky. Going to go to the cave. Suddenly she's by herself. Remember she's by herself playing hooky from school. Suddenly her lantern blew out, even though there was no breeze. So she relit the lantern because she's in a cave. So it's pitch, pitch black. She relights the lantern and it blows out again. So she's freaking out because the bell witch blew out her lantern. So she's freaking out. She's in a dark cave, no light. Um, she has to, she creeps to the entrance of the cave in the dark by herself. Um, and she finally makes it back to the entrance of the cave. And at the entrance, she finds an open can of pork and beans and marshmallows. They weren't, they weren't there when she entered the cave. Hmm. So she, she leaves, she goes home because she's like, my lantern blew out, I'm done, I'm done. So she goes home. That evening, she learned that the police had actually found two escaped fugitives in the back of the cave. Lord Jesus. So Bonnie says that the witch kept her from coming across the fugitives by blowing out her lantern. Yes. Right? So, yeah. <laughs> so the witch can be really fantastic. Like she saved Bonnie from these fugitives. Oh my God. Yeah. And then later on, um, she, the, the witch is just bored. In 1977, some soldiers from Fort Campbell visited the cave, and one soldier was sitting on a rock and said how skeptical he was of the haunting. So making fun of the ghost, being disrespectful, being being skeptical. And so suddenly he was grabbed around the chest by something invisible. They left the cave. They were done. Um, in 1986, Two journalists, a journalist and a photographer, David Gerard, Gerard and Bill Wilson, obtained permission to spend the night in the cave. Oh, no. Right. I wouldn't know the night in the cave. No. Um, so they were in the first room of the cave and they heard a loud groan coming from deeper in the cave. Oh, no. Oh, and they go, don't they? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> okay. 
Then they hear a second louder groan with several loud thumps. They're, they're kind of like, huh, okay, that's weird. All right. Uh, then they heard a third groan and they were like, eh. So they do the smart thing and they go to the entrance of the cave. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> for whatever reason, they thought it was the wiring or the electrical. So they start looking at the electrical paneling and the wiring to see if the groaning is coming from that. Uh, and they didn't find anything. So they went back to the first cave room. And then they heard a strange rumbling near the cave entrance. So they go back to the cave entrance, but that was just a jet flying by. So they're like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and they're they're getting ready to go back into the cave when they hear a loud high-pitched scream from inside the cave. They left, they did not spend oh, the night. Good, good Thank choice, you. good choice. Good, cho- <laughs> good choice. Um, and then the next, um, the next year, a man, a local man reported that way back in 1967, a local man, H.C. Sanders, a local man um, said that in 1967, he had run out of gas at night across from the cave. And he began to walk towards town because what else are you going to do? Your car runs out of gas. You're in the middle of nowhere. It's 1967. You don't have cell phones. You got to walk towards town. So he's walking towards town and a rabbit comes out of the woods and becomes and begins following him. Already creepy that a rabbit would come out of the woods at night. Um, <clears throat> no, thank you. <laughs> Sanders started walking faster as you would, but the rabbit kept up with him. So he begins running oh, and the rabbit keeps up with him. No. And after he, he said, after a mile, he stopped and sat down on a log to catch his breath. The rabbit jumped up onto the other side of the log, looked at him and said, quote, hell of a race we had there, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So he is pretty sure that's the witch who took over. He was, he was sober. He didn't, didn't like say, imagine that. <laughs> he didn't say. I hope he was sober. He didn't. He didn't mention whether he was high as a kite when that happened. Good but point. those are uh, several attributed hauntings to the Bell Witch. It's a good so, career. Yeah. Yeah, for a witch ghost. <laughs> it is. It is a good. It is a good spirits career. Yeah. Well. Pretty long, um, pretty long haunting. So, so that, bottom bottom line: I, don't uh, don't talk shit don't about talk the Bell Witch. Bell Witch. Don't yeah, I just want to make it clear: I am saying all of everything I said was in jest. Bell Witch, please <laughs> yes. don't right. bug me. <laughs> right. Very respectful of the Bell Witch. Yes. Not mm-hmm. a skeptic. Just want to know more. Like, what? Who really is the ghost behind the haunting? Mm-hmm. Um, not sure. Not really sure. Why did she? Why did she have to murder John? What did John do? Was it really the Bell Witch, and was it Lucy, his wife, that murdered him? Why did he murder her? Or why did she murder him? I don't know. Yeah, I want to know. More about this guy. I think he's the key to everything. Yes. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Definitely. 
But that's that's all the information I have on the Bell Witch. She has um, uh, inspired a whole bunch of television. She's inspired a lot of stories, including, but not limited to, the Bell Witch Project, um, the Bell Witch Haunting, um, an American Haunting, Bell Witch the Movie, the Bell Witch Legend, which was a documentary, The Bell Witch Haunting, which is another documentary, The Mark of the Bell Witch, which is another documentary, uh, Ghost Adventures Have Gone to the Cave. So there's a whole bunch. If you have to know, need to know, want to know more, which I wouldn't blame you if you do, there is a whole bunch of TV out there. There is a whole bunch of books out there. Um, I kind of want to now watch, I've never watched the Blair Witch Project and I kind of now want to. Can I tell you something really funny? Yes, please. Um, I, so I love horror movies. Um, I have like a whole calendar of movie release dates so that I can watch movies on the day that they were initially released. Uh And as of the day that we are recording this, um, tomorrow, July 30th on 1999 is actually the day that the Blair Witch came out. So like, it's so funny that we're talking about this right now because I'm absolutely going to watch it tomorrow. <laughs> oh gosh. It was like fate. We had to yes. talk about it this weekend. We yeah. did. We had to. I love it. I know. <laughs> oh, my God. We should, all, we should all watch it. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> I have to put on my seasickness patch, though, because I've seen, you know, that it's the camera's super shaky. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a, a shaky one for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, still so terrifying. I have seen it a lot of times, but yeah. I am still scared. And now you're going to have that in the back of your head. Like, this is the witch Kate Bath. Oh, yeah, God. I'm totally going to be thinking about her the whole time. Oh, gosh. Holy moly. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I've got. Um, Good one, Emily. Thank you. I, yeah, had, I love it. I had a lot of fun. I was very, very scared yeah. reading, um, <laughs> reading the the family's manuscript or what's allegedly the family's manuscript, but I honestly want to read more of it. <laughs> like I, I, I don't want to read it now too. Yes. I had to tell Katie before we started, I was like, I really just want to read the book out loud. Like that's, <laughs> that's what I want to do. I just want to read the manuscript out loud. Um, no. It's just, it's, it's good. It's good. I highly recommend it. Well, I, I had heard of the Bell Witch, but I didn't know, I didn't know a lot about her. Um, I think I, like, I had heard because of liking the Blair Witch that it was based on this witch, but I guess I kind of assumed that the lore was more along the lines of what the story is telling you, which isn't really the story of the Bell Witch, you know, much at all. So, like, I totally thought, like, she was a lot more, um like vicious, you know, mm-hmm. like a lot more malicious in intent. I'm kind of surprised to hear that she seems more like just like a spirit that needed to entertain themselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she did draw blood on Betsy quite a bit and she would pull people's hair to the point that mm-hmm. they have tears in their eyes, but and she did kill John Bell Sr. But besides that, I mean Yeah. She pulled the king out of a hole. She saved Bonnie from running into fugitives, so... Uh, yeah. Uh, 
might have given some marriage advice, you know. Maybe, <laughs> maybe Betsy shouldn't have married Joshua. Yeah. All right, well, I didn't prepare. I didn't prepare a mocktail today, but I can find one. Well, we can. I think. Um, um, Ange, did you say you had some mocktails for us? I know we were going to talk yeah, about the bottle um, shop. I have one with me right Ooh, now. Um, as far as NA beverages, um, I had had a little bit of experience before working at the Open Road, but um, it's definitely like such a, a huge market now. Like in the last, you know, five years, it's really grown so much that like it is tremendously awesome to learn about all of this stuff. Um, I'm like pretty basic. Uh, when I did drink, I was not like into many things. So I kind of just like stick with simple stuff that I like. Yeah. Um, I love NA beers. Um, I had it earlier today, but, um, all of athletic stuff is really good. Mm-hmm. I love sours. Um, and they have a lot of sour beers. They're always tremendous. Um, and then what I am drinking does not look very pretty, but it's essentially like a margarita spritz. Um, there is a company called High Mesa. It's like a chili company, and they make just like a syrup that is um, spicy. Um, all of them are made with chilies, different types of peppers. But this one is a margarita. They have a Paloma one. Um, they're like the perfect amount of spice. And then I just put um, some seltzer water in there with it. Um, you could do like lime juice or something too. Um, I really like Danny Trejo's um, non-alk tequila. It is like so smoky and perfect. Oh, um, I can mix that with that. Um, yeah, it's really tasty. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I've, um, I've heard of his, uh, his tequila alternative and I've thought about ordering some. So I may... I may have to. That sounds good. It's nice. Um, it's subtle. Um, I think it's really smoky. I think it's good for mixing into drinks. It's definitely not a thing that you would drink straight, but I don't know yeah. a lot of folks who like that kind of spirit straight. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I know I don't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, uh, full disclosure, when I did drink, I would sometimes sip on uh now I can't even think of the tequila brand. Either way, I would I would sip on tequila occasionally. I mean, now of course the thought is just like, what? Like, uh-huh. <laughs> not do that. Yeah. Um, but um, but no, that sounds really good. Yeah. But- um, I also love um functional stuff. Um, I don't know if um, I think it's kind of like hit or miss in um, the sober community, whether or not folks like functional beverages that have things mm-hmm. like vitamins or other additives in them. Ooh, okay. But um, I really love Bon Buzz. Um, it's another spicy spirit. I It's almost empty now because I love it so much. <laughs> but this slow burn is also a spicy spirit, but it has um, a lot of additives in it, a lot of adaptogenic stuff that kind of just like makes you feel good. It has natural caffeine in it and 5-HTP, which is actually something that um, will um, cause you to have serotonin, like it gives you a serotonin boost. So it actually will make you feel a little bit happy. Um, Yeah, that's like my other favorite. Those are like, I always have Bon Buzz in my house. It is a constant in my house now because it's just been so much fun. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even know that people were starting to make that kind of thing, like a drink that that's basically uh-huh. an energy drink without 
without the bad stuff. And like the cool thing about the non-alk industry I find is that like a lot of the brands are also health conscious. So you get things that are a lot lower in sugar, a lot lower in calories. Like that is just really nice. Like I don't want to drink my calories anymore. Like I want to eat my calories. I want to have a nice drink. I feel like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Bon Buzz. I'm going to have to look them up and get some. They have um, a couple of ready to drink cocktails too, like little canned cocktails that are also both really tasty. Perfect. Definitely my favorite non-alk brand right now. Cool. Yeah. I I want to hear more about the bottle shop you work at. So what exactly? What exactly? Because I guess you say bottle shop, and I I think of just that, like it's a it's a they sell yeah. bottles. I'm things. thinking that it's just So it's like a full, it's pretty much like a full liquor store, beer distributor. Um, the owner, Mel Babbitts, uh, she initially started the open road in um, 2019, kind of like right before the pandemic happened. Um, she had a few pop-ups early in 2020 And the goal at first was for it to be a non-alcoholic bar. She wanted to open up a bar that was like alcohol optional um, and then kind of switched over to doing um, online sales and delivery of non-alcoholic beverages in Pittsburgh and then found a space, opened up her bottle shop, and then it's kind of just grown from there. Cool. Oh, wow. That's really Yeah, and she's like it's life changing to work and to learn from Mel. Like it really is like kind of out of control. I can't believe how much um, research she does. Like she's constantly finding new brands. Like she's bringing people into the shop that like have, you know, like a hundred followers on Instagram. They just put their spirit out or their canned beverage out. And I think that is like so cool to see things like, right when they're starting and the fact that yeah. like she wants this community to grow yeah. it's so fun that wow so cool. that's really neat and it helped me um I was not sober when I started there um I drank mindfully while I was there because I had so many of the options and then I kind of just liked not drinking so much that I decided to just cut it out completely and like such a good beneficial thing in my life like I feel better I can be more creative because I'm not wasting time doing things that aren't healthy for me it's kind of rad yeah that is rad yeah and you're surrounded by so many other options working there like yeah Mm -hmm. it's nice I mean I try things that I wouldn't have tried when I was a drinker and liked them like I was like holy shit like I have options and fun things that I can have besides soda and water and lemonade. Like Mm -hmm. there is a whole gigantic market out there and it's so fun. That is awesome. Does, um, does the bottle shop, do they have an Instagram or like social media? They do. Um, it's open road bar PGH. Okay. Is the bottle shops, um, Instagram. They have a website also. Um, we do uh, local delivery in the Pittsburgh area, but a lot of folks come to the shop from other places because Mel's selection is like pretty wild. I cannot believe it. It's so fun. Dang. Trip to trip to Pittsburgh. Like we'll have Heck to come yeah. check it out. That's awesome. 
Heck yeah. I love, like, there was a couple that came through. They were, like, from Ohio. They were going to vacation in Maine. And they were like, we put this shop in our, like, route. Like, we came here first, and now we're going up to Maine. And I was like, geez, like, that's so rad that you're coming I here. Love like, it. Yeah. That is so cool. Um, so other than the um, the bottle shop, um, so uh, your so is Junk Castle Goods like your your brand? Yes, yeah, uh, okay. Junk Castle Goods is my brand. Um, I uh, can't ever pick one thing, so I like had to combine all of the things I love into one business and just kind of like make a go of it. Um, I love it it's so much fun to bake and make things creatively. Um, I like to use like really strange inspiration for like decorated baked goods. I like to pair flavors. It's kind of like a mocktail. Like I feel like I can think about the Blair Witch Project and say, okay, that's a fall time movie with lots of leaves and twigs. So I'm going to make spiced cookies with twig decorations on them. Like I just like to, you know, make it silly. How fun. That's so creative. Yeah. I have a Patreon. Um, We do a cookie subscription box for people. Um, I do like deep dives on um, classic cookies. Comes with like a trading card of a cookie. Like it's like a snickerdoodle baseball card. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. How long have you um, had your business or been doing it? Um, I started, like, the idea kind of came to me in 2019, early in 2019. Um, we got our LLC in 2020, and then we got our cottage license just this year. Uh, Prior to having a cottage license, I was just, like, baking out of, you know, like, uh, commercial kitchens. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really love baking by myself. It feels kind of meditative for me. I feel like it's like a really like fun private practice. So I wanted to do it in my own space and I love it so much more being able to take my time and kind of like treat it like a fun artistic process instead of like wholesale baking, which is a whole other beast. Yeah. That's awesome. so inspiring. That's so inspiring. How, I mean, I'm sure you've been baking your whole life. Have you been baking your whole life? <laughs> uh, yeah, I like started as a really young kid with my grandparents. Um, my family in Pennsylvania, like cookie tables are a really big thing. Um, I've heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. You like have like a big table of cookies at your wedding or at like any big party that you have. Um, so like we were just constantly making And that's predominantly what I make now is a lot of different types of cookies because I just can't get enough. (laughs) That's so inspiring. That's awesome. Good for you. (laughs) And thank you for sharing with us. Like that's, oh, that's really exciting. Awesome. Cool. Um, Well, Ange, where, where can folks find you? Um, And we'll, we'll put all this in the show notes too. Um, so we do have a website. It's junkcastlegoods.com. Um, we are on Instagram and threads for junk castle goods. Um, we have a Facebook page, but we don't really use it much. That one's okay. just junk castle. Awesome. Yeah. 
cool. Well, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on to talk to us and learn about the Bell Witch. (laughs) Yeah, I had a blast. I learned so much and now I have something interesting to look into reading. I'm very excited. Awesome. Well, cool. Well, you're welcome back on the show anytime. Um, Yes, please have me back again. Cool. Well, I guess um, with that, we can we can wrap up. Um, So, yeah, I guess until next time, friends, um, we will catch you catch you soon. Make good choices. Yes, make good choices. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the show wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoy our content, share it with a friend and don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Those 100% make our day and bring us joy. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Malice and Mocktails. And don't forget to check out our merch. Find the link in the show notes below or on any of our social media platforms. And until next time, make good choices. Bye. Bye.